This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at Lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys, girls, children of all ages. We're back. It's Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and joined as always, Matthew, I'm a bully in the streets, Betts. That's right, dude. Today on the show, we're going to be bullying... Some listeners around taking their $3 entry fee here, big stakes on the show. I'm excited, man. Live best ball draft. We did this last year, and um, I don't want to talk about the results because I did not win it last year. I just also want to say this because publicly, you put this out on Twitter that you're going to be stealing my lunch money, but what you didn't know is that as a member of this company, my lunch is paid for by the company, so I'm actually going to be reporting you to HR for theft (laughs) for actually stealing from the company because, uh, yeah, the good people here... Uh, actually pay for my lunch every single day. What's funny is that HR is Mike, so uh, I guess I'll be hearing from Mike very shortly. You will be hearing from Mike. He's actually going to be in on this draft. If you're joining us, we are glad that you're with us. We're going to be doing the Best Ball Live draft. Uh, We have a lot of stuff, I feel like, that's in the works. It's July, and you and I have actually done some changes in our ranks. That's what I want to talk about first today in our quick question. What are some of the most recent changes that you've made in terms of the ranks that people see, they can go to the website. If they have the DFS pass, which is part of the ultimate draft kit plus that thing is locked and loaded. The ranks have changed significantly to some players, especially after this Baker Mayfield move. So beyond just the Panthers, who are the biggest movers and shakers for you personally? Yeah. As most of our listeners know, you know, a lot of what I do is covering the injuries uh, for our team. And I was going through today, updating some stuff in the UDK. So obviously get up in there if you're not. And if you have the UDK, go check out the injury report. I updated some stuff on two main guys, Jamison Williams and Michael Gallup. And, you know, the too long didn't read section is not great vibes on these two players as far as being high win rate guys based off where they're going at ADP and knowing that both guys are almost certain to miss regular season games. And it's kind of wild to me. You and I talked about this, that um, DJ Chark is going so far behind Jamison Williams. Well, I mean, there's realistic opportunity here that Jamison Williams might not even play for the first two months of the year. That is in the range of outcomes. And so where he's going, I'm, I'm out on ADP. So I dropped him down quite a bit to make sure our listeners know that. And the same thing is true with Michael Gallup. Remember he had the surgery on February 10th. So his timeline is pretty far back there. And 
it's tough to see him beating ADP and being a win rate guy where he's going. So those two guys are, are pretty buried right now in my ranks. Do you feel like with them being buried, you're going the opposite direction? I know we talked about Jalen Tolbert last week as the one of the biggest risers. Are you... I know I'm really big on DJ Chark in the, in the stance of Jamison Williams. How are you seeing those offenses? Like, are you still buying into the Dallas offense? And I know your Lions, um, you've got some major issues with. <laughs> yeah, my Lions. What could go wrong this year? All in. And and you, you're one to talk, man. You're going to be Dan Campbell for Halloween, so easy over there. Uh, but yes, you and I have had some heated debates behind the scenes on Amon Ross St. Brown. I am very much in. So that only bumps up my conviction on that type of player. Uh, actually, was going back today, looking at a just a pristine article written by by Jason, uh, looking at second year wide receivers and how they perform relative to ADP. Now, of course, that was redraft ADP, but you look at these second year wide receivers, and if you just blindly bet on guys that produce as rookies, and then look what they do in year two, most of the time they're beating ADP. So I want to be bullish on Amon Ross St. Brown, especially with this Jamison Williams situation. And then for Dallas, you know, we talked about Jalen Tolbert. It's a hard sell for his rookie profile of kind of you know, a four-year player at a small school. Wasn't you know a, a guy that got a lot of draft capital. So the hit rates are pretty low. I'm not super in on him. It's just more pointing me to Dalton Schultz, the doctor. I want to be in on Dalton Schultz. I think he's got a chance to be a league winner, as we talked about last week. So those are the two guys for me that I think if you would say they're the winner of the situation, those are the two guys. So let's go over the Carolina situation. I feel like you and I went about it differently for best ball purposes, okay? So I think all of us are very clear. We think DJ Moore is a top 15, top 20 wide receiver. My question is, what do we do with the other pieces? You used to have it really good for Robbie Anderson. I'm completely out on the guy, but I'm still coming up from the grave with my boy Terrace Marshall, who's gone from basically undrafted to now he's in the low 200s. So the lines are moving for my boy. Uh, what are you? What is your take on the Panthers wide receivers? You're an absolute sicko. That is my take on Terrace Marshall. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, DJ Moore, you know, we can say what we want about Baker Mayfield as far as his ceiling, but let's not forget what the Browns were in 2020, which is top 15 in all the metrics you want to look at. Yards, uh, yards per play, points per game. So he can support a functional offense, which is obviously a lot more than Sam Darnold could ever say in his career. Over the last two seasons, Sam Darnold, a 2.3% touchdown rate. I mean, Kyle, I think you could literally go in and play and maybe go for like 2.4%. I should. That is that is so bad. So even if Baker is just average, which I think he can be and he's shown us, he can be that. I think DJ Moore's got a great you know chance to set a career high in touchdowns and possibly beat ADP. So I moved him up a couple spots. I like that. Terrace Marshall, if you want to get weird at the end of your draft, you know, the opportunity cost is so low that sure, go for it. But yeah, I think Robbie Anderson is really intriguing as far as just a dart throw for where he's going. That said, I took a lot of him when he was still in like round 18, round 17. Now that he's going to move up a little bit, like it doesn't make sense for me to take more Robbie Anderson. So I'm probably out at this point. Yeah, I have Terrace Marshall in my top 200, uh, which he's going at 210 right now. But uh, I'm significantly higher. Like I just want to bet on a player that Christian McCaffrey himself says he took a massive leap. Am I just like way too over the top, like uh, jaded here? I think so. I think you're sticking to the priors, man. <laughs> That's I got to here. No, it's it's cheap enough, right? It's cheap enough at the end of your draft. That he can be the number two and beat out Robbie. I think it's possible. But I'll give you some actual bigger names that have changed in our rankings. So Michael Pittman Jr., you know we've been a big fan of Pity City on this podcast uh, last year. Big deal. He's in my top 24 now. Uh, you don't have to draft him there. He's a third-round pick. 
But I'm saying that Michael Pittman feels like one of the higher floors you can get of a player that I think can finish in the top 15. I think he finished in the top 10. So he's a little bit higher in my ranks. And then also a player that's weirdly like been on my teams, a higher exposure than I thought I would, is Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is one of those players that when you're on the draft board, you go, oh, this is gross. He doesn't have a ceiling. But sometimes you need that for your best ball roster. You can get him as your wide receiver five. He's going at 128th overall. I have him ranked 114th. So a good round above. And I think he's a player that you want to buy into the Bengals offense and you're not having to pay the same price. So how many spike weeks are you going to get? I don't know, two. But you're going to get usable weeks where he's going to fit in as as a flex for your team. So uh, I like Tyler Boyd. But let's finish at tight end. I'm finishing an article right now about tight end tiers and the way to approach tight ends and drafts. We did a best ball segment on the main show on Thursday talking about three tight end builds. But uh, talk to me about Kyle Pitts because I feel the same way he's been dropping in my rankings. Yeah, I, I don't have any Kyle Pitts, honestly, in best ball right now at his ADP. And that's really what it's all about is opportunity cost. You know, that's that's what best ball is, is of course, I would love to take all these guys, but at their ADP, what can they give you? And, you know, we're looking at a situation where, sorry, Kyle, this could be the worst quarterback room in the league slash is the worst quarterback room in the league in Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota, two mobile quarterbacks. We know mobile quarterbacks don't really support multiple playmakers usually. And so you're betting on Kyle Pitts to be a top 36 player, honestly, top 30 where he goes. And for me, I don't want that on my roster for a bad team that they're probably not going to score that many touchdowns. So yeah, I'm off Kyle Pitts at ADP. I took him a little bit last year when he was like round four, round five, which was great. But you're asking him to do a lot more in the third round. And as you talked about, those advance rates were so good for those later round guys. And the names brought up on that main show, you know, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, Big Irv Smith we like. I've even taken a little bit of Mike Kosicki, like those types of names. You can piece it together. And I feel way better about my rosters when I have those three versus trying to rely on Kyle Pitts. I'll give you a little teaser from the article. I asked the question, what does Kyle Pitts have to do to pay off at pick 30? It's basically where he's going, pick 30, 31. He has to be the premier tight end in terms of receptions. Like He has to hit 100 receptions. Every tight end over the last 20 years that hits 100 receptions is a top three tight end. Um, so there's that. I know that's in its, is in his profile. I think we would say he's going to progress, but like, how much more are you going to get? Are you going to get 75 receptions for you know 1,104? That's that's fine. That's an improvement from one touchdown last year, but I, you're really asking a lot, and we don't like the offense. So I think opportunity costs, we just don't love it at all. And then I'll finish with Cole Komet. I have him now ranked inside the top 12. Uh, he's tied in 14, and I looked this stat up. Of third-year tight ends that have seen 100 targets over the last decade, all of them finished in the top 10. So I think he's a good bet to beat his current ADP, He's one of my favorite players that if you're doing a three tight end build, you can get him as your first tight end. I feel totally comfortable with him as my tight end one and then filling in with those guys you mentioned, Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett, David Njoku, Austin Hooper, whoever it is, I think that is a great bet. If you want to get in on all of our best ball content, you can get that as part of the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. Bets just put out a wide receivers to take a stance on article, uh, hyping up Mike Evans, who we love as a second round pick. He also shared some slander uh, with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown that I do not agree with. But other than that, uh, it's a great article. If you want to go on the site, you can check that out. But if you're here, you're here for our best ball draft. So let's get into it. Best ball bonanza. Bonanza. 
We're hopping into a fast draft on Underdog Fantasy. And just to give you a lay of the land, this thing is going to fly by 30 seconds per pick. But we've got some fun people in on this draft. We have some of our listeners, but also picking at the 101 is Papa Josh, our Discord community manager, Mike the Fantasy Hitman, fourth slot, Jason, Jason FFL, your boy, at fifth overall. I'm at seventh, and Betts is going a little bit further at tenth. So I'm going to be commentating, also kind of giving some thoughts on some of these picks. Also, I think the best thing we should do is trash uh, Mike and Jason and, and Josh. Guaranteed. It will happen on this show for sure. Yes, it, the clock will move fast. We'll go quick with our analysis. I think Kyle, too, maybe one of us can kind of write up a little recap article on the site so you can get more of our thoughts. But we'll try to be quick with our analysis here. And, and we're already off the board. One and one and one and two. We got Taylor and McCaffrey. So I'll kick it back to you, Kyle. Yeah, Mike's on the board now at 104 after Jefferson. And I mean, Adam Troutman, it's probably too early for Mike to go there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think at the beginning of your draft, you don't want to get too crazy in a 12 man league. Uh, I know using our rankings, I have McCaffrey higher, uh, you have Taylor, but really these first couple of picks, you can't do them wrong um, unless Jason just wants to get really crazy here. But uh, Mike went with Cooper Cup, Jason went with Jamar Chase. This draft is going by exactly what we thought. I'm almost up at seventh overall, and I would say this is a spot that I don't, I don't particularly love when I get to the seventh spot because those first five, I think, are in a tier of their own. Um, I think you could argue that Austin Eckler's there, but he's off the board. So at pick seven, I have to ask myself the question, do I want to ride the big dog? Like, do I want to get on board with Derrick Henry? Um, or the only other players I would consider is Stephon Diggs or Dalvin Cook. Um, and I think for me, I want a running back that I can buy into the offense. I think that the way that Minnesota's touchdowns came last year weren't via the ground. So I actually will take Dalvin Cook ahead of ADP and ahead of uh, Derrick Henry here. I like it. He was queued up for me. I was going to take Dalvin were higher than consensus on him and actually lower on Derrick Henry. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Henry falls to me if I take him. But I haven't ended up with a lot of Derrick Henry just because of the fact that we are concerned about the Titans offense as a whole. Henry's entering that, you know, time of his career where it's like, okay, he could, he could decline. So we'll see. But right after Cook actually goes Derrick Henry, then it's Steph Diggs, who I had queued up, puts me on the clock at pick 10, um, there's a couple guys in ADP here that I'm not really sold on. We talked about it a little bit already with guys like um, Najee were lower on. I think Travis Kelsey has a chance to be a little bit overdrafted. So I'm going to go ahead and lock in Devontae Adams here with this pick. Kind of give me that wide receiver to build around here at the 10th pick. So when it, before it comes back around to you, knowing that you went wide receiver early, do you feel locked in that you have to get an elite running back here? Or is there another wide receiver on the board that you're interested in? I think... My preference is if I'm going to split the difference, I will take a running back here unless the man that I've I've fallen deeply in love with this year in drafts is Mike Evans. I think he's a dark horse to finish as the wide receiver one with all that's happening in Tampa. So I've got Evans queued. We'll see what happens. I'm also looking at CeeDee Lamb potentially to go two wide receivers to start. But those names that we love in, in round two, you know, DeAndre Swift, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones were extremely bullish on. All those picks for me would just be awesome here. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the point now where... Mike Evans, I think top five feels like, I feel like it's like a good outcome, and that's where we have him ranked. I know in the ballers' rankings, he's wide receiver six, so right there, um, but you're back on the clock. Yeah, and Evans did fall to me, so I kind of already talked about it. I'm going to take it. Um, if you're looking for more of my analysis on why I love Mike Evans, be sure to check out that article, Wide Receivers to Take a Stance On. He is the, uh, the cover boy for the article. All right, so I'm approaching the clock. I start off with Dalvin Cook, and... 
I have an issue here because Mark Andrews is the clearly the highest player on the board. Um, at tight end, I can have a positional advantage. I've been loving the three tight end builds. But I'm going to go with Andrews just because I know the other people in this league. I know they're going to want to do three tight end builds because I told them that. So, uh, yeah, give me Mark Andrews. And start off with a pretty pretty high-T team with uh, Dalvin Cook and Mark Andrews. Andrews is a guy that I'm more willing to take in these 12-teamers versus like Best Ball Mania, where he has to do so much more to pay off. And the tricky thing is like if you take Andrews, you almost feel forced to take Lamar a little bit ahead of ADP to get the stack in those Best Ball Mania tournaments. So I've taken a couple Andrews in these drafts. I don't hate it, but in Best Ball Mania, I think he's largely a fade for me at ADP. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I said that if he drops towards the end of the second round in a tournament, I think I'd be open to it. But um, right after that, we have three running backs, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette by Jason, and then Javante Williams by the FF Hitman. So overall, how would you say these first two rounds have gone pretty much according to ADP? For the most part, yeah, there's not really too many surprises. I mean, these are the names that almost always go there. I think it starts to get a little bit off the board in most of the drafts that I've done. When you get to the 2-3 turn, you kind of have a little bit more, um, I guess, flexibility. I don't know about you, but I feel like the third round this year isn't as strong as it was last year. We talked about you know fading Kyle Pitts for kind of one of those those names. Um, there's some wide receivers that don't really fit the type of the, of wide receiver I like to target. Keenan Allen's kind of been a little bit on the decline. Like James Conner's a question mark with regression. Alvin Kamara might get suspended. So it just feels a little bit weaker in round three that I think listeners should be willing to get off the board if they want to, especially in tournaments in round three. Kamara's going to be the most interesting name on here because his ADP is 31st overall. Who's going to take the plunge? Because I feel like every draft that I'm in, I'm curious to see who's going to do it. It's not me. Like it's it's usually not me who's going to be that person. So um, I'm almost on the clock here. I also realize that as I'm talking, our two, I would say wonderful owners, great people, are also listening to this podcast. So um, as they're making their picks, they also get to hear our strategy and what we're thinking. <laughs> so um, they're selfish. Very selfish. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Jason, for your listening, uh, Le'Veon Bell is a great selection here in round four coming up. So get ready. Um, so earlier this in this round, we had Nick Chubb, James Conner go off the board, the first two picks. T. Higgins, Mike took Michael Pittman. Of course, he took Pity City. And Jason got A.J. Brown, who dropped further than he usually does. I usually goes at that 2-3 turn, so a little bit further. But my team is without a wide receiver. Um, I'd like to shoot for the moon. But there also is a player who I haven't drafted very much in best ball this year who can be a rock for my team. He's not going to give me quite the spike weeks. But he's also my favorite player in the entire NFL. I mean, yeah, you're taking him. You're I taking mean, Keenan Allen. I'm taking Keenan Allen. He fell a little bit further in ADP. I don't love Keenan Allen best ball formats because uh, what I want is a a wide receiver that can finish in the top five. I do not think that's in the range of outcomes for my boy, but uh, I'll take it. So you're on the clock. All right. So there's a couple names that I'm looking at here, waiting to see what this person in front of me does. Corn uh, two sixteen has two wide receivers. So. Oh, okay. He went third wide receiver. He took DJ Moore, who I did have queued up. We talked about him at the start of the show. Um, the name that immediately sticks out to me here at this point, I'm not taking Josh Allen. I think that's a, a terrible selection in round three. And uh, the, the tight ends are a little overvalued here. So, you know, we talk about in best ball, you draft as if you're right. You uh, draft players not thinking that you're going to be wrong on them and that you want to be making sure you're right and taking backups and that sort of thing. So give me Alvin Kamara here in round three. If he gets suspended for two games or three games or it gets pushed back to next year 
this pick would obviously look like a massive win rate type of player. So give me Kamara in round three. Clearly, he would not be going there if it wasn't for the suspension. So you're drafting as if you're actually going to win this thing? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that is the goal. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll see what happens. It didn't happen last year, but we'll see about this year. I did look back at our live team this past year. We got third place in our in our listener league. So um, not too bad. We got our money back. I guess that's all you can ask for because usually if you draft against our listeners, they're pretty sharp people. So we'll take it. All right. So you have Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, love those receivers, Alvin Kamara, and you're about to be on the clock again at the beginning of the fourth round. Yeah. So just uh, after the Kamara pick was Cortland Sutton and then Travis Etienne, who's gaining a lot of steam, then Cam Akers. So I'm, I'm two spots away here. Terry McLaurin just went off the board. And now we're looking at guys who would never be here in best ball mania. We talked about Josh Allen being a bad win rate type of player in round three. He's tempting here in round four. I mean, that's a, a position that I think he's palatable. Kyle Pitts is there as well. But guys that are dropping, I think for my build, what I want to look at here is still trying to get, I feel more comfortable, I should say, with running backs uh, that are coming off the board in this range than I normally am because of the fact that on underdog, people are so focused on wide receiver that these running backs get pushed down. So I'm going to take Zeke Elliott here to be my RB2. And then I feel pretty confident that I don't have to touch running back for the next five, six, seven rounds to pair him with Kamara. So give me Zeke here in round four. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then get back to the live draft. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. So I'm at the 4-6, and honestly, the thing that's staring me in the face is Josh Allen, who just went right before me. Oh, man. I was really excited to get Josh Allen for really the first time in the draft. He was about to go 15 spots behind ADP. I know these listeners. They listen to us, and uh, they're pretty smart people. But I have a chance to stack with Justin Herbert, uh, with Keenan Allen. I get him right at ADP. I want a difference maker for my team, and I'm just not really seeing anybody else here on the board. Uh, at wide receiver they're kind of all in the same tier so I will take a running back that I think by the end of the year can finish in the top 15 and that's Brees Hall I know Jason's probably crying right now he's probably peed his pants and um, (laughs) Jason we have a bathroom back here if you need to use it but Brees Hall feels like a player that over time will gain value I'm not scared of Michael Carter I brought this stat up on the show he had six receptions all year on third down and Ty Johnson was actually their main guy. So I have a big shtick against anybody that says third down backs are going to scare me off. So Brees Hall, hopefully Zach Wilson isn't a uh, disaster, but uh, I'll take him here. After that went Justin Herbert. Jason took Jerry Judy. And now we have our guy FF Hitman on the clock. Um, Javante, Cooper Cup, Michael Pittman. Um, so far between those two and Papa Josh, whose team do you like the most? I got to care for what I say here so I don't lose my job. Um, I actually kind of like Mike's team a little bit, and it's mostly because they're guys that we have conviction on a lot. And, you know, if if anything would happen to Melvin, Javante would be a first-round pick, no doubt about it. We think Michael Pittman is a top-12 wide receiver this year. So you're getting two guys 
that have baked in massive, massive um, upside at their ADP, and they're guys that I've taken a lot in drafts. So Papa Josh, he's our community manager. If you want to be involved on Discord, I feel like that community is kind of the pop in place for DFS, for best ball. It's where we posted this link, and it filled up within literally five seconds. Um, but Papa Josh has got a team that has some big names on it. All right, so he's got Patrick Mahomes he just took at the 4-5 turn, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Big Mike Williams, and Darren Waller. So, so far, he has kind of gotten every single position, and he's saying that he has a positional advantage at quarterback and at tight end. Those players have to hit, but if they do, he has an advantage. That's right. He's trying to play bully ball in here in the lobby with us, which I did not appreciate, Josh. Um, But yeah, with that build, which is fine to do, you know, because if it does hit, like you said, you do have the massive advantage. He will for sure have to come in and just hammer wide receiver, leaving the first five rounds with just one wide receiver generally does not work out but obviously in just a 12 team league could so we'll see what shakes out here for josh oh back-to-back tight end picks from the ff hitman and jason and now i'm on the clock with pick 55. that's right pick 55 go. um man my wide receiver room is not looking too great i can stack with lamar here if i think that he is going to be a difference maker um i know you love lamar so i know he's on the clock for you right here uh Man, it's really tough for me to. It's really tough for me to go early quarterback because I love later builds and I love, but I'm going to stack here. I'm going to go Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and use that as a wedge. My friend, I don't know if you know him, Matthew Betts, wrote an article about how the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a prime bounce back spot. They're our biggest bet this year. So uh, I would say that I'm all in on the Ravens here. What's really upsetting here is that it doesn't feel like you are because you begrudgingly took him and you waited for the clock to run out to actually hit the draft button. Meanwhile, I have him queued and my finger is hovering over the mouse waiting to hammer Lamar Jackson in round five. So I think it's a phenomenal pick. Puts me back on the clock after you took Lamar when Darnell Mooney, J.K. Dobbins, who uh, I just updated as well in the draft kit, uh, definitely lower on him. So I'm not a fan of that pick. However, I'm going to go ahead and take one of the guys that I've kind of been stuck on I don't know where to go with him but it's Allen Robinson and and I only take him when he falls past ADP which he is here in round five back of round five and I think I like that position for him versus round four the nice thing about that is that you know we talk about these win rates with quarterbacks I want to take wide receivers that I can stack with these quarterbacks in round six to ten Matthew Stafford fits that build so I'll be queuing up Stafford for later in the draft all right so we're about to hit the sixth round and there's a player on the board you're gonna. You're almost up next, bets. Are you just waiting for Amon Ross St. Brown to to get to you? He is queued. He is queued right now because the the position that I'm taking when I'm looking at this and Super Gremlin, Gremlin 87, get out of here. Just took him. Uh, what I was gonna say is that I feel locked in with my running backs that I'm drafting if I'm right. So I'll keep taking some wide receivers here or maybe a tight end, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, after uh, I took a Rob, it went Juju, then Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Hurts. I love that in round six, and then Dalton Schultz. So it puts me in a weird position here because there's not a lot of names that I really like a lot. Um, that said, there are some names that I think have a good chance to beat ADP. One of those names for sure, and we talked about this with uh, the Vikings, is Adam Thielen. So I'm going to take him here a little ahead of ADP because I think he's one of those guys that I'm not relying on him every week for sure to be a, a top two wide receiver for me because I have Devonta, I have Mike Evans. You know, A-Rob and Thielen are high variance guys this year, but if they hit that flex spot is going to look awesome each week. I need to confess that the sixth round is one of the toughest places in the draft, in my opinion, it is. because there's so many wide receivers that up warts. Um, 
you could take a quarterback here. So we usually like taking the rushing quarterbacks uh, off the board already is Lamar. Kyler's still there, but I already took a quarterback. Uh, and Hurts already got taken. So really for me, it's kind of my pick the letter of which wide receiver I think I want. Chris Godwin, I know you're the injury expert, but I just at this point, I have no idea when, the, when he's going to be back. If it could be two months in, it could be a month in. I don't really know what to do. I'm going to take the wide receiver that is the clear number one on his team. It's a new situation. It's a gross situation. But I'm going to take Amari Cooper at pick 66. Um, don't love it, but I do know his outcomes and the way that he's played is being a super volatile wide receiver, and I need that next to Keenan Allen. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. I He's so tough, right, because we know how good he is. But the ceiling is is severely capped when Jacoby Brissett is under center. I think he'll still give us some weeks, but yeah, it's really tough to see it there for Cooper. Whereas before, when you had the hope of Deshaun Watson, and who the heck knows what's happening with Watson, if he doesn't get suspended for some reason, like Amari Cooper in round six is going to look ridiculous. In this part of the draft, I mentioned those wide receivers. It's like Chris Godwin, Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith, Russell Gage, Drake London, DeAndre Hopkins. Like Two players in that group that we know are not going to start the season, Hopkins and Godwin. Uh, who knows what Drake London in? He's, he could have a great target share and not mean anything. Russell Gage, is it only going to last for a month? Devonta Smith's the number two option. There's, there's not great options here for me. So it's kind of like, where is the conviction? Where do you feel like these players are going to go? So with me, it was Cooper because I, it's very clear he's the one, uh, unless you're a DPJ fan. I don't think you are, Betts. Not with, I mean, not with Jacoby. If it was Deshaun Watson, like, sure, <laughs> he'll probably have a few weeks where he gets 101, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, outside of that, not really. Ooh, someone was spicy. They must have been listening to the podcast. Uh, Trey Lance went at pick 74 ahead of Joe Burrow, ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Tom Brady. Uh, it seems like Mike is very angry right now. Um, and so right now, what do you do when there's quarterbacks that get pushed up ahead of ADP and you're not looking for a stack. Like often, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, if you don't have Bengals or Broncos, they can slide. Do you just keep letting those guys slide? Or is it like, hey, there's a value. And even if I don't have a stack, I think they're going to be a top 10 guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously our listeners know this. And we talked about how important it is to stack. But in these 12-team leagues, there's also a lot of data that supports if you just are taking guys that fall in the draft past ADP your expectation of winning and specifically finishing top three is a lot higher. So I'm not forcing stacks and things like that. I mean, heck, if if these guys get pushed up and all of a sudden, you know, let's say, for example, Kyler would have fallen a few rounds after ADP for some reason. He didn't in this draft. But for an example, if I didn't have Hopkins or Marquise Brown or whatever, I would still take Kyler because he's got a great chance to beat ADP. And that's what this game is all about. All right. So I'm on the clock and the top three wide receivers are Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. Three players we have no idea what to do with. Um, and it looks like Chris Godwin is now 17 picks past ADP. I think my roster is pretty solid that I'm willing to take the gamble here with Chris Godwin. Um, I mean, I could reach a little bit further on some of these names, but I don't love the picks here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's tough, right? It kind of feels like no man's land for sure. Um, I think that price for Godwin is much more palatable knowing what's going to happen with him where he'll likely miss some time it's just a matter of how much but yeah I mean you're asking him to do way less for you in round seven than you are in round five or six for sure so after Godwin it goes Brandon Ayuk 
uh, who I think is a, a decent bounce back guy this year. Then Dak Prescott, I'm going to keep the quarterback train going here and complete my stack with my other league winning quarterback and Tom Brady to pair him with Mike Evans. I love that pick. I didn't think he would get back to me, even though I took Godwin. Um, there was a fear looking at your team that you were going to go Brady and then you're going to get Godwin on the way back and just have this super uh, team of Buccaneers. But uh, yeah, we're about to end round seven. And how do you like your team so far? I mean, of course I'm biased, but I actually like it quite a bit. I've got four wide receivers that I feel like can give me both reliability and spike weeks. The running back situation obviously just hinges on Kamara and what happens there. And if he's out, like I'll take the L. If he's in, it's great. And I've been kind of anchoring my teams to uh, the Bucks passing offense and those quarterbacks in that range. So uh, I like Tom Brady in that spot. I'm back up on the clock in a minute here. Michael Thomas just went, then Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Hopkins, and Rashad Penny. So it puts me back on the clock here. Really can go a number of directions. I mean, there's a couple tight ends that I'm not super excited about where they're going as far as their ADP. Um, there's some wide receivers that I really like a lot. There's a couple running backs that I think are interesting, but I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that I've been kind of touting a lot this offseason and keep going with it because his profile fits what I can take on this roster, which is a ton of volatility with my wide receiver five. That is your boy, Kadarius Tony. Not Again, my boy. Betting, <laughs> betting on second round or second year wide receivers, I should say, to outperform ADP. Tony fits the bill in a, a Giants offense that I think largely the fantasy community is a little bit more optimistic on. All right, so off the board just went Jason's boy, Kareem Hunt. And I'm here at pick 90. It's very clear who I'm going to take. This is my highest rostered player in best ball. I have them ranked ahead of ADP. And they're usually going at pick 100. I have them at 87th overall. It's a player that I have conviction that they will be a good favorite to be the rookie wide receiver one in this class. I think it's totally possible he's ahead of Drake London. I love how he fits my team as a wide receiver four. Is Chris Olave, there was no doubt. I mean, you knew he's going to be on my roster. I mean, I feel silly for even putting him in my queue because, yeah, there's no chance I was getting him after you. Um, yeah, I like it. I I don't mind the pick a little bit a bit ahead of ADP if you have a conviction on that type of guy. And especially because, I mean, take a player ahead of ADP, you know, really you're asking yourself at what round does it matter? Like, if you take someone in round two when they're going in round five, I mean, that is just silly. If you take someone in round eight when they're going in round nine, that's more palatable for sure. So even if you have conviction on a guy like that, to our listeners, you know, don't be afraid to take that guy. The Kansas City wide receivers just went off the board next in the eighth round. Sky Moore, and then I could actually hear an audible yell in the other room when Jason took Marquez Valdez-Scantling right ahead of Mike, who I know loves him. He had to settle for Christian Kirk. I, I can't tell you a time that I've actually drafted Christian Kirk, and I'm assuming Mike right now is really sad for a pick that he made of a former Cardinal. <laughs> and there's also nothing worse in best ball than just taking a guy because like it makes sense at ADP. You have no conviction. You're not excited about it, but you're like, you know what? Fine. I'll take him. And to me, that's kind of what Christian Kirk is this year. I've taken him in like one or two drafts, but definitely not a guy I have a lot of exposure to. I mean, his draft cost where you're getting around wide receiver 40 is, is totally fine. If he ends up being the wide receiver one, which we think for Lawrence, then finishing inside the top 36 is totally possible. I mean, Marvin Jones can do that, which, by the way, not a, not a bad pick, our boy Marv. Um, but we're here in the ninth round. Matthew Stafford's still sticking around. I feel like he's at this point where if you don't have cup, then a lot of teams just aren't pouncing on Matthew Stafford. Are you hoping he gets back to you because you have Allen Robinson? i got to be careful with what I say here, but uh, the answer <laughs> is yes, especially because... 
Well, okay, we can end that conversation. Thanks a lot, Mike. <laughs> you just took him at 100. I was going to say because I'd be getting him after ADP. So unfortunately, no Matthew Stafford for me. Mike did that out of pure spite and because he has Cooper Cup. So he double-tapped the quarterback position. Jason did the same uh, with Kirk Cousins, who's somebody he's really bullish on. Um, man, I, <laughs> I, I hate drafting with these people. They're the worst. They're people <laughs> that know what they're talking about. We have great listeners, um, and I'm back on the clock. So, gosh, I hate everything about this draft. I hate the people here, but I need to I need to make a pick. Um, you got Olave, man. You're fine. I do have Olave. I'm looking at the running backs here. It's Ken Walker, Devin Singletary, James Cook. None of those I'm super excited about. Um, the wide receivers are also not that great. So I'm going to reach a little bit for a running back, probably eight spots ahead of ADP, that I think can fit into my roster. And I think he is the RB1 for that team. And it's Chase Edmonds. I haven't talked about him a lot, but he fits with the system. I don't believe in Raheem Mostert. Sony Michelle was not good when it comes to yards after contact. So I think Edmonds, if he finishes inside the top 24, would that shock you at all? No, not at all. Especially because he's the type of, of back you want to bet on as far as not only can he carry the ball in between the tackles, but also pass catching ability. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that I've taken a little bit at that spot. So I don't hate that at all. I also just want to point out Adam Curtis VT is his name here. Got TJ Hawkinson in round nine. I think that's a great pick. Almost 20 spots after ADP. I'm not super bullish on Hawkinson, but when you get a guy that falls that far after ADP, I think that's totally viable. Puts him back on the clock here. Dawson Knox went Tyler Boyd. Names I'm looking at here, the guy that I've absolutely fallen in love with, Ramondre Stevenson, Dallas Goddard, Derek Carr to complete the stack with uh, Devontae Adams. But I know our listeners, and I know that they read our articles, and I'm not going to get Ramondre Stevenson if I don't take him right here a couple spots ahead of ADP. I truly think he can be a difference maker this year if he gets the goal line work, if he gets the passing down work for New England. So I will embrace the unknown and take Ramondre Stevenson as my RB3. So everybody in the draft so far has taken at least one quarterback. We're about to hit round 10. Um, and it's interesting to see some of the stacking options on, on the rosters because we talk about stacking all the time. Um, I know I have Lamar and I have uh, Mark Andrews. You have Brady, Evans. But it seems like so far the field through these picks, you know, at least 10 people have viable stacks. And I think people are going to complete it later. So this is the point in my draft where I want to get creative. I don't want to reach on a stack um, because I think there's some quarterback value still on the board. But I'm starting to look and think two or three rounds ahead and think, okay, who are the wide receivers that I want to complete in my draft that I think have upside and who are the quarterbacks that I can combine? So reaching on a quarterback is not what you want to do here. Um, you just want to learn how to complete the stack in a, in a way that fits your roster. So bets you're up right now. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I had Derek Carr ready to go to pair with Devontae because he fell and then he was, he was selected. So um, there's just a ton of wide receivers here. I have three running backs already. I don't want to overinvest in running back, but I will take a, a wide receiver who just provides a lot of up and down. And I'm okay to live with that. If he gets me four or five spike weeks, hopefully Chase Claypool, please get your head on straight <laughs> this year and stay on the field. Um, I'll take him here again. He's that type of, of archetype I want to bet on in this round high variance, high dot type of guy. Hopefully it gets better with Big Ben not there checking the ball down so much. So left on the board here, I'm almost up as well. There's some wide receivers that I think still have a lot of value. Um, tight end, this is a point in the tight end where it's like, I'd rather wait. There's Zach Ertz. Uh, there's some other names, the Muth, uh, Irv Smith. There's names that I think are really, really good. But among the wide receivers, I don't know what to do with Michael Gallup. 
And I've listened to you on a couple of different podcasts. I think the timeline is a little bit further, so I don't know what type of production. I already have a player like that in Chris Godwin. Rondale Moore, uh, until Cliff Kingsbury figures out what to do with him, I don't like it. I want a player on a good offense, and I want a player that will make Jason very mad because it's his most rostered player. It's Tim Patrick. And Interesting. Yeah, Tim Patrick fits my team great. As a wide receiver five, I'm not asking him to do a ton, but I think he can have at least two to three spike weeks. I think he can finish as the wide receiver two on that offense. I'm not predicting it, but I think he's a safe play uh, if you just need someone every single week with your roster. He's a guy I haven't taken a lot. It feels like the Broncos in general are starting to get a little overvalued. Like someone there is not going to hit their ADP Correct. or maybe two guys, right? Like, and that's okay because you're baking an upside with this these picks. But yeah, it feels like even the Broncos ancillary pieces everyone loves because of Russell Wilson. And I get that. One of the guys that I can't believe is going as high as he is oftentimes is KJ Hamler. I, the dude not only had an ACL injury on his left knee and dislocated the same hip, I would be shocked if he does much of anything all year and people are really taking him like round 15, 16. So off of him, which I guess does lean credence to Tim Patrick there to fill in. Yeah. And remember Cortland Sutton was a player that we were touting when he was in the fifth round. Like you have to draft him now in the third and he's priced up where I'm starting to get off of him too. I got some early shares, but even Judy, like Judy has two weeks in his career that he's finished inside the top 20 Two, like, yes, Russell Wilson is going to be his quarterback, but I don't know if I love the upside, but we are here in round 11. Somebody listen to us because Cole Komet uh, is off the board. Somebody that I was queuing up ahead. Uh, and then we have Tua Van Jefferson by Mike, who's a great, I think, pick here uh, in terms of upside and how he fits a roster. Jason picked Irv Smith. Um, and I'm staring at some players that I don't love Christian Watson. I don't really need running back with this roster. Um, there is a quarterback, though, that... Doesn't have the best stacking options, but rushing-wise, if he finishes in the top 10, I think that's in the well range of outcomes. I'm getting him past ADP. I still believe I usually wear a Justin Fields shirt once a week, so I will be going with Justin Fields as my QB2. Yeah, I don't mind that. He was queued up for me for sure, especially getting him after ADP. Seems totally fine. The tricky thing that I find with Fields, and I've talked about this on a previous show, is just, you know, who you're stacking him with once you get him. Because if you don't take Mooney, you know, you missed out. And then, of course, if you don't take Komet, you missed out again. So you're kind of stuck with, like, the Byron Pringles of the world or maybe Khalil, Khalil Herbert later, which I don't mind that. But it's it's tough if you don't get him. So that's my only hang-up with Fields. I think he's fine as a, a QB, too. So it went uh, after Fields. The next pick was uh, Christian Watson. And then I'm one pick away from being on the clock. I talked about not wanting to overinvest in running back in this build. But we talk about drafting as if you're right. And I feel like we talk about that a lot with running backs. We don't talk about that as much with wide receivers. You also draft as if you're right. If you take wide receivers early, I started with Devonta Adams and Mike Evans went wide receiver, wide receiver. So I'm going to probably cool on wide receivers relatively soon in the draft. And there's a couple guys that I absolutely love taking in this spot. One of those guys is just so much upside. If anything happens to the running back in front of him, and that's Alexander Madison, who, you know, we've seen it before. He averages a ton of carries, a ton of uh, targets in those games. And you and I are pretty bullish on the Vikings as a whole. So give me Madison here as my RB4. So you're drafting as if my pick is wrong with Dalvin Cook. Yes, this th these picks are exactly opposite of one another. If if you have a terrible year, I am <laughs> winning money, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would say even more so for tournaments. Like, that's the type of leverage that you're saying is if Madison hits... 
I am using this against all the Dalvin Cook teams. Like that that's what you're trying to say. Um now I think that offense across the board, everybody could hit. Like I think Madison could beat his ADP. I think Cook can finish in the top five. Like I think there's a realm where the Vikings just roll and that's a team that we look back and say, Man, I wish I would have had three or four pieces from that offense. We obviously love Justin Jefferson, but here in the twelfth round, you are about to be back on the clock and you don't have a tight end yet. I don't, but we're in that weird tier of like just a bunch of dudes and <laughs> I'm not super excited about any of them. So I'm going to push the envelope a little, a little bit further and pass on tight end again, even though there are a couple of names that I have queued and I'm going to go ahead and take again, fitting that build of like, if anything happens to these guys, I have running backs that I think are going to be massive, massive winners in best ball. And I'm going to take Rashad white here to pair him with my stack of Tom Brady and Mike Evans. You and I have talked a little bit about the RB two being really valuable in best ball, completing stacks, and uh, he certainly fits that bill. I think he would be the guy, I think we both agree on that, over names like Gio Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn. So looking at the board, there's only a couple teams that have filled out their tight end room with more than one option. So there's going to be a scramble at the end of this draft for people that chose the three tight end build. I think it's very clear that I'm just going to go with one of them uh, or just go with two of them, just go with Andrews and whoever else at the end of my bench. Um, Here I'm looking for upside. Um, I'm going to go with Jahan Dotson. He's slowly risen in ADP. Um, Terry McLaurin is going to be the one. Who knows what Carson Wentz is going to do, but I looked at my roster and just think, I have some upside with Chris Olave, but I have some safe guys, Tim Patrick, uh, Keenan Allen. So I went with Dotson just because I don't know what he is. I do know he was a first-round pick, and there is something there because, Betts, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you heard this stat, but first-round wide receivers – they average about a 17% target share. I've only sent that to you 20 times this past week. <laughs> that is accurate. You have. And I think it's because you always talk about Chris Olave and his target share. Um, I will tell you, Jamison Williams will probably bring that down a little bit based off of, of his arc this year. We'll see. But um, yeah, I, Dotson's a guy that I kind of I feel stuck on. You know, like I don't really know what to think about the offense. And it's kind of the stink around Carson Wentz. Like, can he support two high value wide receivers in McLaurin and Dotson? I guess we'll find out. So Jason went with with KJ Osborne, Mike went with Josh Palmer. I feel like I put them in the same category. Two offenses we love, the wide receiver three. If injuries happen, you know, so be it. Like that's where you get the upside. But I love those players if you're getting them as your wide receiver six. You're not you're not counting on KJ Osborne to be your guy, but he had usable weeks last year. I think he had four finishes inside the top twenty. So you are you're banking on a little bit more. There's clear upside. I love those types of picks because Jameson Crowder is sitting on the board and in best ball mania, I love taking him as kind of a correlation with Bengals teams because they play week 17, but how much is Jameson Crowder going to help you in a 12 man league? I mean, dude, you know, we love those slot wide receivers with a low average up the target. I mean, that's the archetype we want to, we want to target. Um, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but I will say there are offenses where that is supported and at ADP can be very profitable. It was actually pretty wild. I went back and looked at some of the win rates from guys last year in this kind of range. Cole Beasley was one of the best win rate players last year, and you don't even think about Cole Beasley as a wide receiver you want in best ball. But when you're attached to the bazooka of Josh Allen's right arm, you know that will help some weeks, and you're going to find the end zone quite a bit. So I don't mind Jameson Crowder, even though he's not the typical best ball wide receiver we like to target. There's going to be a Buffalo wide receiver that goes really late. Or, you know, maybe it's O.J. Howard if, if somebody gets, like, that goes late in a tournament that's going to be a winner. Like Isaiah McKenzie that blows up at the end of the year because they're attached to Josh Allen. So those are the players you want to take a shot on. I would say Khalil Shakir 
one of those players that you just shoot for the moon and and go for it. But um, I'm about to be on the clock. I've had a couple players queued for a while. One of those is Jamison Crowder, who still sitting there. I still like the value here. Um, but there's also a couple of tight ends that I'm crazy about um, that could really finish out my tight end room. So I, I'm struggling here. The value with Jamison Crowder, who I know is going to be a valuable player on a good offense, or tight ends like Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett, and I know you need a tight end. So I kind of <laughs> want to just stick it to you. Yeah, me and the guy in front of me, Corn uh, two sixteen needs a tight end, and um, and the real Matt King only has one as well. So yes, I am sweating that a tight end makes it back to me here, and I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. I took Gerald Everett because he had a different bye week than Mark Andrews. Just as simple as that. I think it's a coin flip between him and Henry. So I buy in the offense, and I also buy in the fact that I wrote an article, props to Jason, uh, called Gerald Everett in a History of Tight Ends Breaking Out Out of Nowhere. It is a fun bathroom read. <laughs> Yes, that's the exact type of article you need to read on the toilet <laughs> is is Gerald Everett breakout. But he was in my queue as a tight end I'll take here. And it's just a big tier for me. So I'll kind of mix and match across my exposures in my best ball drafts. I'll go ahead and take Hunter Henry here. And really in this range, all you're looking for is some touchdowns. Certainly he gave us that last year. And I think has an opportunity to give us seven, eight touchdowns and no one would be surprised about it this year again. So I'll take Hunter Henry. Did you feel like no matter what, you had to take a tight end there? Probably. Yeah, because it falls off super quick. I mean, after that, you're looking at guys like Noah Fant, Higby, and Joku who are fine. And then you get into the Evan Ingrams, Austin Hoopers, Hayden Hurst of the world, which yikes. So yes, I did feel like I had to take at least one there. All right. So we are about to head into round 14. Uh, only a couple more rounds left in this draft. So far, I would say my team is, I, I mean, I have to run the numbers, but probably the best, but I'd, I'd still <laughs> have to run the algos. Based off my detailed calculations here, yeah, I think you're, I think you're off, buddy. Sorry. Um, after Hunter Henry, your boy Marv went, uh, George Pickens, Tyler Algier, and then uh, we have one more pick before I'm on the clock. The two names I'm looking at, Alberto. I'm not going to say his last name, Alberto, <laughs> to be another tight end here to take in this range, or complete my stack with Kadarius Tony to be my quarterback too, and that's Daniel Jones. Um, I feel like if I'm going down with the Kadarius Tony ship, I might as well take Daniel Jones with me. He's got a different bye week than Tom Brady, which in these 12 team leagues, I care a lot about. So I will take Daniel Jones. And then with those two, with that pairing, probably be set at quarterback for the rest of the draft. Nice. There's some interesting running backs that are going in this range that we would consider insurance backs like Tyler Algier, Raheem Mostert. Um, I know Kenneth Gainwell went, uh, Khalil Herbert still on the board that I could totally use to complete uh, a stack, but I'm basically up to saying that David Montgomery goes down. There's two players I'm staring at right here. DJ Chark, who I've talked about a lot as a player that I think is going to be a good win rate player. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 36 wide receiver. Or Ty Davis Price, the running back for the 49ers, their third round pick. I think my running back room is solid, not great. And I think at wide receiver, I need I need a little bit more. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my conviction. DJ Chark... Until Jameson Williams comes back, I think you can get at least two spike weeks. It would not shock me if halfway through the season, he has more fantasy points than Amon Ross St. Brown. You are such a bully. I, that I don't think that you actually believe. Do you actually believe that? I think it's totally possible. Like He wasn't just, this isn't a wide receiver that they gave Juju money to. All right, This is a player they gave one year, $10 million, which is a flyer in the wide receiver market. 
but it's a player that they consider to be a part of their offense. We know that he can be a deep ball guy. We know that he's a contested catch guy. I think that he's better than where he's being drafted, which is like wide receiver 68. I mean, yeah, it's fair. Because once you get into 14th, 15th round, like you you do what you want, man. You, you take your guys and you know no one can really fault you for it. Um, they also feel like a team, though, don't they? That like someone's going to lose out. Jonder Swift, T.J. Hawkinson, Amon Ra, Amon Ra, right? Who's not going to lose out? Um, and then you have these guys, Jamison and D.J. Chark. So it's, I, I guess you must be stacking them with Jared Goff if you're into all those dudes. But we'll see. Um, what are we looking at here on the board? I don't mind, by the way, Jared Goff QB three because the Lions' options are affordable. I found him in builds that I need a quarterback three. He's totally fine. Um, but we're about to go in the fifteenth round. There's still a lot of running backs on the board. There are no wide receivers really queued up. I think people are kind of past the big tier of wide receivers, and now it's just filling out your roster, right? When you get to around 15, 16, are you looking for players that can kind of contribute each week, or are you basically saying to yourself, like, I want to find the diamond in the rough? I don't. I know you don't want to say any names because we have listening ears, but at this point in your draft, you've got all your main starters, you have your studs, are you shooting for the moon? This is the time to do it. Yeah, the safety approach is not now. You know, you're taking these guys because they could be league winners. They could be awesome for you. They could be the, the player that turns into a top 24 wide receiver or running back. And, you know, you're not trying to play like, oh, I want I want a nice floor of eight half PPR points this week. No, you're shooting for the moon with these guys. So that's how I'm approaching these last few picks. Yeah, and there's still there's still a number of tight ends. I think if you wait on tight end, and you need three, like Betts does really badly. Um, Stop it. Stop there it. are still tight ends. Tyler Higby, <laughs> Noah Fant, David Njoku, who I'm okay with David Njoku as a tight end too. Like I have teams where it's Kittle and Njoku or Mark Andrews and Njoku. Um, he's going to be out there all the time. Who knows what the quarterback is. Um, but I think he's a good pick. FF Hitman is on the board. Mike right now, his team is... Is looking pretty good. Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, so he doesn't have to worry about quarterback anymore. Javante Williams, CEH, Kenneth Gainwell, Daryl Williams. So I'm a little scared of those last two running backs and what he's going to do. Um, but he's got a healthy wide receiver room. Cooper Cup, Michael Pittman. He's got a pretty good roster here. Jason, I know what he did. I know he waited and waited and waited and said, nobody is going to take Mac Jones except for me. And he did because, I mean, are you taking Mac Jones in drafts? I actually remember sending you a message in Slack being like, I don't know if it's because I haven't slept in a month or I actually think this is a good take, but Mac Jones feels like a value. You know, last year he was a guy who we're not saying he can be a top 12 guy, of course, but can he give you a couple of weeks where he throws two touchdowns to Hunter Henry or Devontae Parker, who's a red zone presence? Do they take the training wheels off a little bit of Mac Jones in year two? Whereas last year they played bully ball behind the offensive line and just gave Damian Harris the ball over and over again. So I actually don't mind Mac Jones as a QB two or three in best ball. I think he's totally fine. Yeah, no, he'll give Jason a week, you know, or, <laughs> or two. And, that one uh, week. Yeah, it's great. Um, so I was really fortunate last pick before that. I kind of went back and forth between TDP and DJ Chark and TDP made it all the way back to me. So I love him as a running back four. I'm not counting on him on my squad. He fits really nicely, and I'm getting him almost 20 picks past ADP. He's a 49ers running back. Who knows what they're going to do, but he fits my roster really well. I don't hate it. Um, I want to point out the real Matt King's pick here of Khalil Herbert at 176 overall, well past ADP. I love that pick. I actually looked at my exposures 
uh, not that long ago. For some reason, it's not on purpose, it's just happening that I have a ton of of Khalil Herbert because of what we saw last year, average a ton of touches in the games David Montgomery missed. The depth chart right now is pretty much no one behind those two, so you know what you're getting if anything happens to Montgomery. Um, after those couple picks, as you said, you went uh, TDP, Herbert, Mark Ingram. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a tight end. I mean, it's time to start doing that for me. So give me David and Joku, other than the fact that we're in the 15th round and I need tight ends. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you were fortunate that he slipped to you. I'm surprised these teams didn't jump on him. But yeah, at the end of the draft, it's Hayden Hurst, Cameron Bright, who are like the one-for-one one type of draft. Like, that's all you're going to do. Um, so we're almost at the end here. You have two quarterbacks, five running backs, six receivers, two tight ends. Are you done with running back? I don't think so. And it's because of the way that I built my team. Like I said, I I took a couple wide receivers that are elite super early. And so, you know, there's actually last year, the win rate and the data for advancing was really strong on teams that, you know, again, you, you draft as if you're right. So if you draft guys early at wide receiver and you leave with six or seven, the win rates were just as good if people passed on wide receiver then took a lot of them later so to speak so i'm just going to go ahead and roll with that i'll probably maybe take one more wide receiver which means that if i'm doing that i'm taking another running back so i'll try to take a flyer on a backup here late in the draft i love austin hooper in this range i don't need it for my tight end build uh with mark andrews and with gerald everett so but i just why do you love why do you love austin hooper man i love him as a tight end three like (laughs) if he got 18 percent of the targets would that shock you i mean but does it matter is that helpful because of this offense? I think that he can add 40 to 50 points to your roster, which is like what Tyler Conklin was last year. And you're getting him at pick 200. I mean, I guess we can't talk <laughs> negatively about him because who did we take last year a ton? Our boy, uh, who was it? Ferkser? Anthony Ferkser, yes. Thank you. I couldn't even remember his name. <laughs> the Ferk the Daddy? Daddy. Oh, what a, what a terrible situation. Dude, Ferk Daddy Fresh actually had a higher win rate than Travis Kelsey. It was really bad. But it was a little bit higher. Um, so I queued up Devin Duvernay uh, a little bit ahead of ADP. I want to keep going with my Ravens stack. So I have Lamar, Devin Duvernay, and Mark Andrews. I just want to use the the Ravens as a sledgehammer against the league. I don't mind it. I think that's an interesting take. Um, do you think that's too early, though, for Duvernay? I do. I'm, I'm, here's the wide receivers on the board, just for people to realize where we're at at the end of the 16th round. Wendell Robinson, Will Fuller doesn't have a team. Julio Jones. One of the greatest players of all time doesn't have a team. AJ Green should not even be in the league. Like this is who we're dealing with right now. <laughs> oh, dude, you're you're ruthless here with these takes. Um, yeah, it's such a weird range that like, and actually, and this is a good point too. In best ball mania, if you want to get unique with your builds at the end, all the players going in the top fifteen rounds of ADP are going to be on a roster. Teams are not going to. Um, take 16 and 17 and 18 round guys around early. And so if you want to kind of double dip in those flyer ranges, I really don't hate that in tournaments. I'm probably not doing it in these 12 teamers, but I would not, you know, fault anyone for doing that in a tournament. I also find that when you get to the end of a draft and let's say you have two picks left, like we have here, you can start thinking like, Oh, I really like this player late. And you need to realize like you may only have two picks left. So I have some sleeper guys that are in that 200 pick range and, You really could find so many different players you like here. Um, But there's just so many guys that you could say could hit for your team. And it's more of looking at your roster and seeing what type of build. So right now I have a 
two quarterback, four running back, eight wide receivers, and two tight ends. I'm not taking more quarterbacks because I have Lamar and Justin Fields. I'm not taking more tight ends because I think I'm set with Andrews and Everett. I need running back help, but it's super tempting for me to take a quarterback. Jared Goff is just sitting on the board. It's pick 199. I don't need a quarterback, but I could stack him with DJ Chark. What do you think? I have 15 seconds, I mean, by the way. Go for it. I would do it. I, it's like, what else am I going to win here? Am I going to win with Julio Jones, who doesn't have a roster? Am I going to win with, you know, Dante Foreman, who's the backup? Like, that's the kind of picks that you're making. Yeah, what are we, by the way, what are we doing with Will Fuller in best ball? Because I have no clue what to do when he just sits there on the board. Jason has some conviction that he will sign with the team. And because he's just sitting there, might as well take a shot as your wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine. I, I personally just haven't drafted him at all. Yeah, I don't, I think that's fine. I don't hate that. I mean, like you said, it's just so, there's so much unknown for what he could be, but we know he's been on the field. He's been talented. Just a matter of where he'll be playing. So I'm back up on the clock here. I kind of talked about my build. I'm set at quarterback. I'm set at tight end. Just a matter of when do I want to take wide receiver running back. I'm going to take an RB here. I will take Brian Robinson. I know that you and I talked a lot about Robinson versus Gibson. We disagreed kind of a lot. what we're looking for. We, we do disagree a lot on this one. Our listeners always tell us we agree too much. But, um, but I think Robinson in the 17th round is a fine flyer to hopefully get you a couple weeks where he falls into the end zone once or twice. I don't mind it for, for what your team's trying to accomplish. I just don't think it's a good strategy. You will lose. We'll see, man. We'll see. So after that pick, it went uh, Sterling Shepard next here. And we're in round 18 officially. Uh, Super Gremlin 87 on the clock waiting for their selection. And then I'm up in three more picks to round out the roster. And I think with my build here, I'm going to go ahead and take a wide receiver to give me seven. Um, I am shooting for the absolute moon here with this pick. And, uh, and I don't think anyone's going to take him and there's no one listening that's going to take him. So I will queue up and hope that no one takes him before me. And it is Josh Gordon. Uh, this is a guy that I've taken a couple times as a super, super late dart throw in round 18 that I just hope he makes the roster and gives us a couple of touchdown weeks with Pat Mahomes. And in general, I'm looking to kind of attach myself in round 18 to offenses that we trust. And clearly we trust Pat Mahomes. It's interesting that there's other players that, you know, have roles like, you know, do you think John Mechie is going to be a player that can be used? Zay Jones, your boy Byron Pringle. Um, it's tough. It's really tough at the end. The hit rates on these wide receivers at the very end are not good. So I have two running backs that I am interested in to finish my roster. One of them is the principal himself, Eno Benjamin. Last year, you know, was a big, big deal on our podcast talking about win rates. Um, there's been talk of him being the running back two. Chris Evans is the other name because I think that Chris Evans is going to end up being the RB2 ahead of Smajay Pirine. He has passed catching chops. So I'm going to take him because I just believe their offense more than the, the Cardinals. Yeah, I actually think he's a great round 18 pick. If I didn't take Robinson, he was in my queue. Um, a couple of the Bengals beat reporters have kind of been already saying like, it seems like he is going to be the dude if anything would happen to Joe Mixon. So I think he's the guy you want if you're trying to go for that running back insurance type of, of guy in round 18. All right, so we're wrapping up here, and in just a second when we finish up this draft, um, you and I are going to give some of our quick takes. we talk about our teams, of course, but then I want you to start scouring bets for what you feel like was one of the best uh, picks in the draft, You know, maybe like where Jason and Mike were just dead wrong, uh, maybe where Papa Josh, our community manager, you know, what, what's Josh doing over at the 101? Uh, why is he taking Jonathan Taylor? 
<laughs> yeah, following the crowd, Josh. Very cool, man. Um, I will. I do have a bone to pick with Josh, by the way. Um, tell me you don't read the UDK without telling me you don't re- read the UDK because KJ Hamler, nine fifteen. Uh, I'm not on board with with Josh. Just to let him know that. But um, yeah, there's like I said, the the drafters in this room are sharp, and so I don't think the board will fall this way a lot in your casual drafts with people that make some just egregious mistakes. Our listeners certainly did not do that. All right, so finishing up here after I went, Chris Evans was John Mechie, who I I don't mind. I think that's a great you know late round pick by Adam Curris VT. Then uh, we had a couple other players off the board: Deshaun Watson. No one knows what's going to happen there, but if you really wanted to at the end of your draft, go for it. I haven't drafted him at all, like in in any single draft. So uh, props if you want to get Deshaun Watson on your team. Um, but let's just quickly look at the board and see which teams stand out to you. So how did it feel picking from the 10 spot? And then I'll kind of walk through the rest of the draft. Yeah, I actually don't mind it. Uh, if I'm going to pick, I hate, I hate being in the middle, you know, so like I don't want to pick seven where you are. I want to be either close to the turn um, on either side. So at pick 10, it's kind of nice because you kind of know what's likely to come back to you. And I really don't mind it. I do have slight regrets about um the wide receiver start because i'm looking at the rest of the running backs i'm competing with and i need a lot to go right to win this league you know i obviously need dalvin to miss some time i need leonard Fournette to miss some time but obviously in best ball we're looking for spike weeks from wide receivers and i think i've got a decent start there with adams and uh, mike evans it's interesting the teams that decided to go or like for instance corny 216 decided to go with a zero rb build um and they started off with Diggs, CD Lamb, DJ Moore, Gabriel Davis. Like there is upside from that team. I mean, all all four of those could finish in the top fifteen. It's very For possible. Sure. Um, I think you know you're betting a lot on the Bills. You're getting Davis and Diggs, but no Allen. So that's uh, that's kind of an interesting way to to do things. But um, I'm looking for teams that are separators, right? Like everyone, you can look at this and say they have a good roster. They have players we all like. Um, is there any build so far that you would say this team has a shot with the way that they built? So roster construction wise, I think that's more my takeaway because player takes, we could do that all day. Uh, is there any roster construction that you see that, Hey, I really like what they did. I mean, when you look at just what I always do, and I don't know if this is just me or our listeners do this too, or maybe you do, but as soon as my draft's done, I, I look at how the teams were built and just see like, can I just look at this team and say there, there's no way they're advancing. If they took four quarterbacks and four tight ends or something, you know, those, those egregious mistakes. Those are not in our drafts. These are all roster constructions that I like, whether it be the two quarterback or three quarterback build um, and correlating your running backs and wide receivers accordingly. So these are all, I think top notch and no surprise there for sure. A couple teams stick out to me as ones that I really like. I, I like Dingus four two zeros team. Starting with Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup, I am a fan of that. And then um, a lot of spike week upside with wide receivers that he took uh, with Tyreek Hill and T. Higgins next. And then um, guys later that I think have a lot of upside as well that are kind of untapped. You're looking at guys like Melvin Gordon, who I think has a chance to outperform ADP. We talked about that a ton. So I like the way that those wide receivers support the running backs later that, again, you're you need to think things to go right for sure, but when it will break right, it will break up right in a huge way, I think. I want to mention a sneaky team, and then I'll let you comment on uh, Jason and Mike and Josh if you want. But um, at the 102, Aloni Die uh, started with Christian McCaffrey, who's my 101, but 
you know, then went Debo Samuel, James Conner, DK Metcalf, Rashad Bateman, like solid draft right there. I can't pick any, but they took Trey Lance ahead of ADP, which we're okay with. But if you scroll down and you look at the rest of the draft, they finished their draft with Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield, but they have stacking options for all three of their quarterbacks. So they have Trey Lance with Debo Samuel. They have Ryan Tannehill and uh, Robert Woods. And then Baker Mayfield and Christian McCaffrey, like he's could be the wide receiver one for that team ahead of DJ Moore. So I just like that even though they had to wait on their quarterbacks, and you might say, oh, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, I think between those three, they can cobble together enough points um, to make it, especially if Trey Lance hits. If Trey Lance is a top 10 guy, maybe even a top five, like I think this is a great roster. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, when you do take someone like that ahead of ADP with Trey Lance, you're telling yourself he is your quarterback score. 90% of the time. And so the opportunity costs associated with taking Tannehill late and Baker late, you know, you're fine to eat that. So I don't mind it at all. All right. So here's really what the people are here for. Who did it better between Mike and Jason? <laughs> yeah. Listeners can't see this obviously, but I've been chirping Mike <laughs> in Slack. Every pick he makes, I'm like, you know, that's the worst pick of the draft right there. Um, that said, of these two guys, I actually do prefer Jason's team a little bit more. And the reason for that is because I think he has guys that are the archetype that I want to bet on in offenses that are, I love. I mean, the wide receivers going after pick 70 that he took and Drake London, I think is interesting. I love MVS and I love KJ Osborne for the upside that they get. Whereas, you know, Mike's taking guys like Kenneth Gainwell and Darrell Williams, who I've cooled on a little bit, especially Gainwell and half PPR. I don't think he's going to give us that much. So give me Jason's team over Mike's and I expect to be fired by the end of the day. Yeah, you need to pack your things. I, I, I have some issues. Okay, so Jason did some things I really like. Took Terrace Marshall, all right? I mean, great pick. Um, I'm wondering if his quarterbacks are going to be enough of a difference maker. We like Kirk Cousins, but we like him more as a QB too. And so he's rolling with Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, and then at the end of the draft, he just threw out Deshaun Watson because who knows what's going to happen. I like the value he got with the Vikings stack, all right? Because he got Irv Smith, he got KJ Osborne. That's pretty good considering he missed out on the elite options. You know, he doesn't have Dalvin, doesn't have Thielen, doesn't have Jefferson. I don't mind that. Mike basically bet on the Rams. Like, Mike has Cooper Cup. He also has Van Jefferson, who we like, Matthew Stafford. He also bet on, like, other teams that who knows what's going to happen. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, Mike has a couple of Jags on his roster. So... I think, Mike, you have what three Jags. What three Jags. <laughs> what could go wrong for the Jaguars this year? I mean, hey, relative to last year, I mean, they're going to be head and shoulders above where they were. So hopefully you enjoyed this. We will actually post the draft board. Betts will and I will get to talk about this draft afterwards. Uh, this will come out. You'll get to hear this on Friday and us get to just poke holes at, at Mike and Jason and Josh. But yeah, live drafts are the best. You and I get to throw these out on Twitter. And I would say we... We really give them out to people on Discord. If you want to join our community group, you can be a part of that in Discord. We have a best ball channel. We have a DFS channel that you and I are going to be in all the time. I know uh, when things kick up, that will be your channel, bets, where you get to bump elbows with people and talk about the roster. So, yeah, make sure you get in on that on the Discord. And then I actually have a live feed of people of how they feel about my draft. Wow. I wish I, I wish listeners could just see the smug look on your face, how happy you were to hit that drop. I mean, look at this guy smiling ear to ear. He thinks he's so cool with the soundboard there. Um, Kyle, you're going to lose this draft. 
Well, I mean, it's it's just kind of, I brought in a live audience that wanted to watch me draft a best ball draft on a Thursday afternoon. So um, a lot of people, uh, they just love it. But uh, bets, why don't you sign us off? Absolutely. This was awesome. This was fun. We will do more of these with you guys. Like, like Kyle said, get in Discord, follow us on Twitter. We'll post some links there. Come draft with us. It is officially Summer Best Ball. We'll be back next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.